welcome to episode six of That's Why We Read, a podcast by literacy educators for literacy educators. Today we're going to be talking about, we're going to start a series on the pillars of literacy. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to start today with oral language. So who would like to go first? Could you introduce yourself? Oh, I'm Toby Thompson. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Ingrid Massey. I'm Sarah Ramsey. It's been a while since we did this. (laughs) You should recognize our voices by now. There there should be no introduction. (laughs) Uh, So we decided today to start the conversation with oral language development because oral language is the foundation for all things literacy. So that's that's why we decided to start here at the foundation. And this is stemming from the, the infographic infographics that we talked about on la- the last episode with the, the pillars of literacy development. But in order to have the pillars of literacy development, you have to have a foundation to build those on. So so we, we all know that we move from speech to print, so we have to start with speech. Yes. Um, and even on your own, your, um, your standards as a teacher, you hear your language arts standards say speaking, listening, reading, writing. And speaking and listening are a big part what happens when you're an emergent reader or a pre-reader. If students don't have oral language skills, if they're not able to listen, then they will struggle when you start to put words and letters on top of that. So we need to make sure that 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 foundation is very solid. And unlike reading, our, our brains are wired for speech. I mean, and let, yes. I mean, if you're neuro, a neurotypical person, your your brain is wired for speech and for, for listening, but your brain is not wired for reading. So no. if you don't build that foundation early, um, it affects everything that happens after. Right. Uh, one thing that is really interesting, I think, because we think that, um, you know, that like you mentioned, reading happens naturally or typically, and it doesn't. It isn't a natural process like speech is. But one thing that um, really stands out to me as interesting is um, by the time a child is 10 months of age, he's already learned how to recognize the speech sounds of the language spoken by his caregivers. Mm-hmm. So that just goes to show, first of all, that those first months and years of a child's life are critical to their literacy development down the road. Um, And it starts with language, but to think that the conversation you have with a child who can't really converse back with you, but those first 10 months are critical in their later literacy development. Which is why it's so important that you read to your babies, sing to your babies, talk with your babies, um, not just, and, and it needs to be the people who are around the child doing this, not sitting them in front of a TV. Right. 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 We were just talking about this in class. Um, I teach a class on reading and language development, and we were, several of them are new moms, and um, we were talking about, I said, you know, when you went to the hospital, did you get a little bag and a t-shirt that said, talk to your baby? And they were like, oh, yeah. And I was like, right. I said they're trying to make sure that parents understand that even though your child can't talk back to you yet in the way that you're used to conversing, that they need that input 
of you narrating your day. And so when you're changing their diaper, you're telling them what you're doing. Um, and it sounds, it sounds silly to an adult, like, why would I narrate changing the diaper? Um, but it's important. They don't, mm. they, they need to hear all of those words and they need so many exposures to those words to, it, in order to, um, to assign meaning to them and, and, and hear all the speech sounds and all the things. So you have to, you have to talk, talk to them. Um, one quote that I really love about oral language, um, a gentleman named James Britton from in like 1970 said, uh, reading and writing um, float on a sea of talk. And so oh, I always I think, I know, it, was, it, it captured kind of my imagination when I heard it because I just loved the idea. I was like, that's such a great picture for mm-hmm. especially those of us who work with really young children, but also those of us that work with struggling children. Mm-hmm. They, need to, they need to be read too. Even if they're a struggling sixth grader, they need to have a time during the lesson that you're reading to them so that they can hear words that maybe they haven't heard before. Absolutely. Um, you know, so, yeah, that's, oral language is such a pivotal piece of, of the puzzle um, to reading. And a lot of it has to happen before we see them in first grade, second grade, third grade. Mm-hmm. Um, or hopefully it does. But if it doesn't, there are some things we can do to increase their oral language. I think that's an important point. So it's if they haven't been exposed to as much language before they come to school, if they haven't been raised in that literacy-rich environment, that's obviously going to be a detriment to them learning to read and write. Um, But it is similar, too, with our English language Mm -hmm. students who have been spoken to, but in a different language. So it's almost like if they're coming to school for the first time and learning in English for the first time, it's almost like starting with, you know, an infant who has no words because you have to teach all the vocabulary. You have to teach the nuances of the language, you know, the the syntax in our language is going to differ from the syntax in their native language. Um, so it it's much the same too with our English language learners that we have to create that literacy rich environment mm-hmm. and teach them, expose them to as many uh, words as we can. And think about, you, I love that you brought up um learning English as a second language. Mm-hmm. Think about when we want to learn a language or people who have learned a second language well, a lot of times they'll say things like, oh, I went to this country mm-hmm. and I I was just around the language while, you know, when I was studying abroad or, and you're like, that, that should give us some understanding of how humans develop language well is to be surrounded by it. In fact, I was listening to a, like a Babel commercial the other day mm-hmm. and they were like, it's spoken by native, you know, native speakers of this language, and you're getting to listen to someone say the words over and over again. Well, that's exactly what we do with struggling readers. That's exactly what we do with young children and with babies. They have to hear someone who speaks the language speak it. Um, and not just at them, but around them, labeling things, asking questions, um, you know, all those sorts of things. And the first time you do it, it's not going to... I, I was thinking about my nephew the other day, like, you know, the first time I point to something and say, you know, that's a, an apple. He doesn't look at me and go, apple. He doesn't just say it right back. 
he just kind of looks at the apple and then looks at me and but after I feed him apples for three weeks and I and he's developmentally ready to do it and I point to it he, he'll come up with something like app mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. or kind of like when he wants up or down now he'll say up or down you know like and it's not down all the sounds it's like dow and you're like okay he's starting to pick up the sounds he's starting to put them together and he's starting to tell me at the right time you know assigning meaning exactly because there's so much layering that happens with oral language right it's not just mm-hmm. the all the sounds it's not just the meaning it's it's all of it together using it in context and and all of those things so i think oral language is one of those things that at least for me for a long time i took that for granted because you just assume that all families are mm-hmm. know that they need to talk to their babies or read to their babies or sing to their babies or whatever. And mm-hmm. I think with the rise of the prevalence of technology, that's not happening like it used to anymore. And I think that's why we see the partnerships with like Cherokee Nation mm-hmm. sending books and Hospitals, hospitals sending mm-hmm. books home mm-hmm. and imagination library yes mm-hmm. coming to oklahoma now mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um they're trying to make sure that parents get the word like you need to talk to your baby probably a lot more than you think you do mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so if you're doing it double down because you need to do it more um they really need um, a lot of exposure to language so. and there's a direct correlation with the number of books that a child has been read to at home and their literacy acquisition once they get to school. There's Mm -hmm. a much greater um, prevalence for students who have been read to to be effective readers. Absolutely. Um, I and there are interesting, you use the word literacy rich. I think um, it'd be great if we kind of talked about some of the things that make a literacy rich environment, whether you're at home or whether you're at school. Um, and so one of the things, other than just talking to them and labeling things and narrating your day, you know, there are things like chants and um, songs mm-hmm. and um, nursery, rhymes. nursery rhymes, exactly. Um, poems, um, books that rhyme. Um, one of the, a great way to bring in language, you know, because it does feel awkward, you know, as a teacher it doesn't, but I'm sure I try to think of like parents who are, you know, accountants or, you know, maybe they're, um, you know, they work at the grocery store or something like that. I'm sure it does seem odd to them to look at their 10 month old and be like, okay, I guess I'm supposed to like label things you know, around <laughs> the house or whatever. But there are great books that um, will say, you know, your first 100 words. And so it will show you the types of things that children need to learn to label. Like, for example, sock, shoe. And it'll have real pictures of those items or animals. And you can just springboard from there things like if you're, if they're learning, you know, cat, dog, you can ask them, what sound does that make? So now we're attacking on, we've labeled this animal, what sound you know, does that animal make, and then you can make it, and they can, you can have that sort of back and forth that they talk about, that study at Harvard, where that one individual has that sort of back and forth conversation with us, um, where we're trading that, that language, and so for parents, it looks like that's, you know, that's a cat, cat says meow, and then 
you say it enough, those children start to mimic it. And so then you'll notice they'll see a cat and they'll say meow. And you're like, yes. Yeah. So now we're, we've taken it from a book out into the world. So if you ever have trouble and you're like, okay, now what do I do? I'm like, just get some really great board books that just have single pictures of either animals or um, items in your house or fruits or vegetables and just start there. Colors, um, numbers. Yes, colors, numbers. Um, and then you can springboard asking them questions like, how many socks are there? There's one, two. And at first they don't know. But when you count with them or when you talk with them, eventually they'll start to mimic those words, sounds back at you. Um, and one of my favorites is to um, play songs. I The other day, my niece did not know the days of the week. She would always go, what day is this? I would be like, it's Saturday. Oh, this is the day that we stay at home and we play. Or, you know, this is the day that I go to school. Or, you know, and I'm like, yes. But you could tell she didn't understand and she didn't know all the names. And so um, there's the, the monster song where it's like, um, but you sing it days of the week, so it's like days of the week, days of the week, and then you sing there's Monday or Sunday. Oh, and the Adams Monday. family. Oh, the Adams family. That's what it is. There's, you know, and so she heard it. I played it for her on the phone as we were driving up to an event, and by the time she got home, she was like, we sang it back and forth because she would confuse like Tuesday and Wednesday or Thursday and Friday. And now she knows anytime we go, what are the days of the week? And she'll sing the song and now she can name them. And she'll be like, that's Monday. Monday comes after Sunday because she sings the song. And so you can see just that one song springboarded a lot of back and forth conversation for us, helping her label what day it is and where that falls on the calendar. Just knowing the before and after mm-hmm. and having that language and that concept of something that's very abstract for right. a four-year-old to even think of. Yeah, but because she had to sing them in mm-hmm. order, she knew which one came first. And I would hear her um, in the bathroom, like when she was going to the bathroom, she would be singing the song when she was going to bed. you know. And at first she would only sing parts of the song, but once she got it, she would just sing it over and over and over again. So. Like, and I think that's one thing that <clears throat> I know when my girls were small, it used to get on my, my dad's <laughs> nerves that we're reading the same book all the time. Yep. If you ask Kaylee, go get a book, I'll read you a book. It's always the same one, and it's always it's a well-worn book. Mm-hmm. And she's got it memorized, but that's okay. That's how the oral language develops. It's like the, the days of the week song. You, As soon as you said that, the days of the week song that my girls used to sing popped into my head. Right. And it now I will not be able to get that song <laughs> out of my head because You're welcome. it's one of those. It's like a, what do they call it? An earworm? Earworm. earworm. Yeah. <laughs> well, my daughter who is in high school in her Spanish one class mm-hmm. was learning the letters of the alphabet in Spanish and her teacher taught it to them in a song. Yep. And so she spent the whole weekend singing that alphabet song. Yep. But that's something that really sticks with her. She's very mm-hmm. musical to begin with. So it's something that it's super easy for her to we did the same thing when she was learning her uh multiplication facts. Yeah. Um she she watched some YouTube videos. There were some guys on there that made up these really fun, uh, like 
kind of raffish rhyming songs right. with um, the multiplication packs, and she learned them just like that. That's yeah. why Shirley English, I think, is mm-hmm. so successful. <laughs> right. Well, uh, in fact, I have a friend who learned to be a Shirley English, and she still says that to this day. She's like, I know people... People say it's boring or it gets a bad rap. She goes, but I still know every definition of everything That's because impressive. it's stuck because of the fact they were singing. I was thinking when you were talking about it, that's how I learned all the presidents of the United States. I mean, I can sing oh, them yes. because um, we had a performance when I was like in fifth grade and we had to sing this president song. Mm-hmm. And still to this day, people will be like, I didn't even know Millard Fillmore was a president. <laughs> but I'm like, I did because I had to sing it 800 times. Yeah. And um, and what's funny is now now that I'm older, I'll see friends and we'll something will come up. We'll remember, remember that song? And we can, almost all of us can still sing it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's part, you see the power of oral language. Mm-hmm. How you're like, oh, I just singing that, even though I didn't even know what those presidents looked like. It's like it laid a track in my brain for hear the names. And it's now it's I can the attach. rhythm and the rhyme that mm-hmm. goes with it too that I think allows your brain to like, you know, grab Hold onto on the it. patterns and mm-hmm. absolutely. So Have there been I, any studies about music and I'm sure oh there yeah, been. I'm sh- I can't name any off the top of my head, but absolutely oh, I come know on, Sarah. No, <laughs> what I can't pull them out of my, my back pocket. No, come on. <laughs> No, I can't. But I know for sure. Um, There's got to be. Yeah. It's kind of like we were talking about, remember, um, you'll have to just look it up, or I guess we maybe we can put it in the show notes. The um, Oh, the woman who, she's, an I think, an audiologist, but she um, was on NPR last oh. year, and she says she can, pre- she thinks she can predict oh, yes. via um, a a. Uh, oh goodness a hearing test yes um whether, who, they can whether they'll be able to read at a certain point mm-hmm. and what it is is being able to recognize certain sounds mm-hmm. and that's what words are they're just a series of sounds that we mm-hmm. attach meaning to and so you realize when I, I remember when I first heard her talking about that I was like oh wow you knew oral language was powerful and that playing with words and singing and chanting and rhyming and, and poems, those were all really important um, as a reading specialist. But to hear that someone could, you know, give a baby that's just a few days old, yeah. that means that they've been hearing those sounds in utero. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's neurobiologist Nina Krauss. Oh, okay. She was at Northwestern University. And they developed a half-hour test to predict kids' literacy skill long before they're old enough to begin reading. Um, and that is just, I mean, when you think about that, that is wild. Fascinating. Um, and it, it also explains a lot of, and not to go off on a tangent, but think about, like, the trauma that some children mm-hmm. experience mm-hmm. Um, and before they're ever born um, because of maybe abuse to the mother or because of... Um, you know, screaming or yelling or a lack of just interaction. I think about like my sister would talk, you know, whenever we were working out and my nephew would like get nestled in a certain place in her in, in utero where she'd be like, I need you to scoot over. Like she would touch him. She's like, all right. She would tap and she'd be like, I need you to scoot over. I can't feel my, you know, hip bone anymore or whatever. And I thought, oh, she's talking to him mm-hmm. before he ever, you know, gets out. 
Um, and so they, you know, and I know there are some people that like even read and, and all these sorts of things. You're like, we don't want to, of course, we're not recommending that you go and, you know, crazy. Right. With these kinds of things. But we're saying you realize, oh, it's really important. Mm-hmm. The foundation, the oral language um, and hearing words and hearing sounds, how, how that sets children up for success in reading. Uh, there was a study done in 2006 that um, shows a convergence of evidence between um, students with delayed or poor language acquisition and the likelihood that they will be poor readers and writers as well. So, again, you think about those kids who haven't been spoken to. I was just reading um, about a a situation where this baby was born into a not great environment right and was literally like in a playpen for the first 11 months of mm. her life yeah not fed regularly you can imagine not you know not changed to. or cleaned mm-hmm. regularly and certainly not spoken to yeah. um she had an older i think brother just a a couple years older but if he could get her the bottle she would drink a bottle or she might find an old bottle with old milk in it and drink that mm. um, and so first 11 months of her life that's what it was like before she was taken out of that situation put in foster care well when you look at some of the evidence that we have of, of what an important role language has in the first 10 months and she had, you know, next to nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to expect some some delays, some delays mm-hmm. or well, and it's not just not just children of poverty who mm-hmm. yeah who face those challenges. If you've got children who have frequent ear infections mm-hmm. or um, hearing mm-hmm. loss or speech impediments, then that also affects their or- oral mm-hmm. language mm-hmm. development. Absolutely. But what I what is great to me about the continuum and the one saving grace because I mean as a teacher, you see so many heartbreaking situations and you you almost get overwhelmed and I'm sure this is why we have a lot of people leaving the field um, that or that have been leaving the field um, is they're overwhelmed they mm-hmm. they really hurt for children and that it's hard for them to watch knowing the evidence. That I think it's hard for them to watch um, humans treated this way mm-hmm. and um, or parents that just don't understand what they're supposed to do in certain situations. Um, and and so you your kind of heart breaks and you think there's nothing, you know, what I'm doing is just like a you know a pebble in an ocean. like what what can I do? But that's the great thing about the reading continuum and understanding how language develops. You're like, if my high school daughter is learning the alphabet song to learn a new language, then the same can be true of a ninth grader who doesn't know the language. Does that mean that they're automatically going to turn into, you know, the world's greatest readers in six months? Not necessarily, no. But it does mean that I, as the teacher, have the power to know what to do with them. And so that's the first thing, like with struggling readers, I, I remember as a reading specialist, I would go, well, it's oral language. That's where we've got to start. So we would read aloud the first minute that they walked in. Um, well, I say the first minute. They had little um, centers or games that they played um, with their letters or, or sounds. Um, 
right in front of them. But once I got everybody in, we read aloud because that's the first thing. They need to hear language first. Mm -hmm. Let's get the brain primed and ready. And then we'll move into um, the particular things that we're going to practice. So that's also one great thing about the pillars and understanding the way language develops is you're never without hope to know how I can help this child. Um, and um, and you can adapt those things, you know, for older students. Um, it doesn't have to be the traditional alphabet song. There are right. lots of ways to sing the alphabet. Sure. Sure. Um, there's lots of alphabet raps. There's all sorts of things that you can do. Um, so and you... actually, it's better to teach a variety of right ways so they know them in different contexts that they, you know, the only way I can figure out what letter this is is if, if I, I sing, sing the ABC, ABC song. song. Yeah. Have you all seen the um, phonics song that's so popular right now? On um, okay, so. it's Gracie's Corner. Okay. You'll have to you'll have to check it out because you will. It is an earworm. I mean, Uh-oh. my niece constantly asks for it on the way up there. But basically, it's the phonics song. But um, it starts with um, A is for apple. Got me to play apple. It. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. If you haven't listened to it, you'll have to check it out. Oh, hang on. We got an ad. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I hate ads. I know, it's always. Gracie's Corner. Hey, let's learn the sounds of the letters. This is the phonics song. Nora gets so excited, God she's like. You can see, like it just it goes over and over again, and she'll always go ah 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 ah. (laughs) Now, one thing the reading specialist in me goes, well, technically, letters don't make sounds; they represent sounds. Like, and I try not to like bore her, but there and there are a couple of sounds. I will warn: this is the reading specialist in me. The L, the M, the N, and the R do not make the sounds that they say on this video. So they'll she'll say la la la. Or ra 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 or mm-hmm. ma ma ma. So I just tell Nora, nope, we clipped that sound. <laughs> <laughs> so we were writing, and she's she'll roll her eyes. She'll be like, Auntie Sarah, and I'm like, it's oh 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 lion <laughs> or mm, 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 monkey, and she's like, okay. So but but the problem is when she hears it, she goes la la la, and I'm like, it's oh oh oh. Just tune it out and say the right sound. But it's it's still fun. She. When she hears it, she immediately wants sure. to say all the letters and sing, or you know, say all the sounds. And so um, it is super popular. A lot of people right now are like, I like this song better than my kid does. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, but it's a lot of fun and it, it helps children to, you know, because that's the next piece. And it's part of actually naming letters are part of moving them into getting ready to read, right? You have to know the names of things before you can start to attach sounds. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and that's, you know, that's the next pillar. But yeah. um, 
but yeah, it's a lot of um, fun to be able to play with language with, with music like that. So. It is. And I think it's important to mention also that you don't have to stop playing with language once you get no, to a yeah. certain age or grade. Mm-hmm. Um, your kids are never too old to be read aloud to. Mm-hmm. Never. Um, and there are lots of research uh, oh, yes. uh, pieces on that. Reading aloud to 10th graders, 11th mm-hmm. graders, 12th graders, still as successful as reading to young children. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody likes to be read aloud to. Maybe not in the traditional way, like sit down and read every chapter to them, but they um, they like being read aloud to excerpts, you know, pieces of articles, something to start their brain thinking. I think one thing that's important to note, um, and I think we probably covered this in the last episode when we talked about the infographics, we talked about the simple view of reading mm-hmm. and, you know, we talk about language comprehension and word decoding are necessary for reading comprehension to happen. But listening comprehension must precede reading comprehension. If we don't have the ability to understand spoken word, we will not understand the written word. So the more we can expose kids to language and, you know, increasingly difficult vocabulary words, adding to that is going to help them comprehend increasingly difficult texts later on. Absolutely. And this is, I mean, we've all heard this term, uh, or this uh, term, The Magic of Reading Aloud. I think there's, or I don't think there is a book by that title as well. But you can read two to three grade levels, Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, grade levels, but you can read way above their ability to read on their own. And you should be reading about what they can read on their own. Um, So that they can start to pick up new vocabulary words or um, idioms Mm -hmm. or certain phrases that they may not understand. Um, And so, and it gives them a chance to ask questions like my nephew will constantly, what does that mean? You know, what, and and you'll stop and you'll explain. So again, it's still that back and forth piece that we were doing when he was a baby and I would point to you know, a dog, and I would say, what does a dog say? Um, and that's a piece, too, about oral language. It's It should have some sort of back and forth to it um, as you start to move along that developmental continuum. Um, I used to ask Nora all the time, how was your day? And she would be like, I'm Nora. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, she does not understand what I'm asking. So why well, would just keep asking? I was like, oh, but how was your day? Did you have a good day? Or did you have, you know, um, you know, I would always say, or was today hard or something? And she would look at me and she's like, it was a good day. Like she could, if I would give her the option, she would tell me which one it was. Or what was your favorite thing to do to do today? And she, she would say, I'm Nora. I'm three. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, we, we got that down. She had learned how to answer that question. But what she realized just by having that conversation, you're like, oh, she doesn't know what I'm saying. And so then that means that I can continue to ask that question, break it down for her, help her to get to. So now I'll say, how was your day? She's like, it was good. Or it was not good. I had a hard time with this. Or, you know, I I had an accident or whatever she, she'll, she'll tell you. So, um, but just that back and forth, um, you know, her mom, her mom had said, she's like, I didn't, 
I didn't even think to ask her, you know, because that's what I ask her dad when she comes home, but I don't think to necessarily ask her. And I'm like, yeah, the more you ask questions, you'll start to understand what of what of her, you know, receptive language she actually is understanding. Um, and that's another thing we should point out is there's receptive oral language and there's um, expressive oral language. And so children can understand a lot more than they can express at first. Um, so, you know, your child does understand. They've done studies where if you say cat and there's a cat and a ball, the eye will flash to the cat. They know that's a cat, even though they can't tell you that that's a cat yet. So, um, yeah, it's fun. Once you realize that, it's fun to watch them and see what they're actually picking up. And you realize, like, oh, wow, they really are sponges. They're picking everything everything up. Because, uh, for example, my niece knows that she can't say, oh, my gosh. She has to say, oh, my goodness. So whenever I go, oh, my gosh, she'll be like, oh, I'll hear her run from the other room. Auntie Sarah, Auntie Sarah, you can't say, oh, my gosh. You have to say, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And I'm like, okay, all right. Your oral language is fine. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, but. Anything else to say about oral language, ladies? I think we just scratched the surface a little bit, but we kind of hit some of the high points and and laid the groundwork Mm -hmm. for our next topic of chronological and phonemic awareness. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. It's going to be a good one. It will. We'll see you next week on That's That's Why Why We Read. Read.